you really need to educate the community that is not involved in voice technology. Because I don't know about you, but anyone I talk to who's not in the voice tech space has no idea what I'm talking about. People who are in voice, when you're putting out a skill, how do you market this in an easy way? How do I not only create the app to be simple and user-friendly, but how do I create the marketing to be the same? Voice will be everywhere. It's anything you use your voice with. It's not just you know, an Alexa dot or Google assistant. It's more than that. So I think we'll definitely see that growth, but I think in order for it to grow the way that we want, we all have to stop and really educate in a really simple and easy way of what this is, how to use it, and make sure that we're putting out voice skills and apps that work well, because if they're not working well, people aren't gonna use them, and then it's a waste of time. Welcome to the Sound in Marketing Podcast. We're in a very emotional state. Um, everything is heightened. All emotions are he- are heightened right now because it's it's a stressful time. Nobody knows where we're going to land on the other end of things. And I personally feel that music and sound is is such an emotional connection. And if brands were able to harness this during this very sensitive time and find a sound that represents them, because of our heightened emotions, I feel that they would quote unquote succeed in connecting with a consumer that much better because they're speaking to them from their heart rather than just words on a page. I don't know if you saw this or not, but there was um, kind of a, a short documentary of sorts, I guess, of all of the first commercials that ran out when uh, you know lockdown happened and COVID-19 was prevalent. And they put, I think it was some 80 commercials just on top of each other. And it was showing the similarity in in tone that they were using, the similarity in the wording that they were using, similarity in the visuals that they were using. And it it kind of, it disconnected you from, it disconnected me from brands for a second because I was like, gosh, this is so formulaic. And people are always striving to find this quick, fast answer to speak to their audience when it, like you said, it takes time and this is a building process. And if we can get it right, we will connect with our audience. It's true. And I think, you know, everybody has to do it in their own way. I mean, I understand large corporations, you know, they have a lot at stake. It's a little bit different if you're a smaller business, Um, but you have to do it in your way. You know, um, how people respond to things. I mean, we're talking about, again, the pandemic. You have some people that freaked out. You have some people that quit things, that fired people. You have some people that put more money and time into content. You have people that change things. You know, everybody's going to react Um, in a different way for better or worse as well. What industries do you feel have really started to invest in their sound? You know, I was thinking um, the other day, I was like, you know, what companies or or what sectors do I feel like sonic branding has stuck with me? And when I kind of look over the years, I always feel like television. I always think about television shows, you know, when I hear a certain song that puts me to a place, right? So my favorite show ever is The Wonder Years. When that their theme song comes on, like on my Pandora or Spotify or whatever, I immediately think of that show. I immediately think about how I feel about that show, why I like that show. Um, And so that's kind of how I feel about sonic branding as a whole. When I think about today, um, I think about first off in podcasting, and I've had a lot of discussion with, you know, various companies about not using 
um, music you can buy off the internet. Um, first of all, you can't use stuff that is copywritten, but also you don't want to be having the same sound as somebody else because it costs you $2 or it's free. Um, you want somebody to associate with your sound. Um, so I think podcasting is definitely one that's starting to experiment with it. And then of course, I think strangely enough, although maybe because it's such a large sector and has money, the government and healthcare in Europe, they've always been bigger in the arts more than the US. Um, you know, there, I've heard many times the French railway um, and how well they've used their sonic brand and, and everybody there can tell you what the sound is. They know what it is. They use it on the commercials. They use it at the train. They use it even in the garbage cans. I think they were saying like the way it opens or something. So, um, you know, the government has used it really well. Um, you have a lot of healthcare and a lot of hospitals that are investing in this. And I would imagine because it is a very stressful, scary, or sad environment. So how do you kind of create a, a sense of calmness and peace, but also doesn't remind you of where you're at? So I think it's interesting to see that sometimes we think the government and healthcare are very behind. And yet in some ways, because they are so large, they have sometimes the budget, they are investing in things like this as well. It's exciting to see that because, yeah, when when I first thought of Sonic Branding, it always goes to television. It goes to entertainment. So Wonder Years, big fan. I love that show. I really thought that's, that song was created for the show. It was years and years later that I found out it was not. But uh, I feel that in entertainment, people have accepted it, that you have, they may not be calling it Sonic Branding, but, you know, the theme songs or... Um, uh, the Netflix sound or, you know, all of the, the entertainment is is easier to digest, I guess. But it's very exciting to see other brands step out. Like I always think of insurance companies. They did such a great job and they've had this mnemonic uh, in place in like like nationwide and uh, the, the companies that have been around for a long time. And so they've had this opportunity for people to hear over and over and over again and um, and and I find it also interesting that insurance has done this because generally when you think of the word insurance or you see an insurance company, you're like, oh, it's insurance. Like nobody cares about that. But if you put like, we are farmers, dun, 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 you know, you put that in there. It has nothing to do with the company necessarily, but it gives it a personality rather than just somebody who's going to pay you out money for an accident or not. Yeah, again, it's about differentiating yourself. I think, you know, it it makes a difference. I mean, you know, we, for people that don't know, Gina created uh, the Sonic brand for my podcast, Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things. And, um, you know, we had gone through the process of that. And I think, uh, you know, we created kind of different versions and different lengths. And, and I recently uh, redid some of my... Um, intro, but then place it still on top of the same music. And so what's cool is like, again, it's now my brand. I had a song on there before that a friend had written and I didn't really like it. It was just something I used. And so we created something together and you created this really great thing that I loved. And it was funny because I was talking to somebody else um, who was starting a podcast and I was mentioning, you know, I said, you know, when you're just starting, you don't have to do this because it's a lot to take in, but this is why I'd suggested. And he was like, well, I, he's like, oh, he's like, I don't want to hear you know, the intro every time, like, I just want to forward through it. Um, like we do on Netflix, which I think, first of all, would be a great thing uh, to have in podcasting. But I said to him, I said, but think about who's never heard you before, right? The value of hearing that and hearing that a few times. And then when they hear it again, it's like, oh, wait, that's associated with that person and that podcast. Where have I heard that before? So there's kind of this like, um, you know, thing that's happening that you're just like this kind of like, 
subliminal message in a sense of like, oh, this is associated with this person or this brand. And so I think it is important. And then, you know, you and I have talked about, you can take then that, that piece of music and take elements of, which I've done. If I've done something where I have, um, you know, four pieces of content and I want to separate the four because they're four different people talking about something, I kind of created, you know, a little, you know, two or three second sound from my sound to kind of separate it. So it still kind of creates the brand. So it's, it's a value in that space as well, too. I agree. I think that it, it shouldn't just be seen as uh, a logo. It, the logo should be able to be deconstructed and pulled apart and used for different things because it's, it's, a, it's a recollection. That's basically what you're doing is it's a recall to get people invested or reinvested in what you're trying to say. So, yes. And and I had fun putting that together with you. You were very verbal on what you wanted. And as we created, you were able to verbalize, I don't like this. I do like this. This is why I don't like that. And um, that's why I also really want brands and companies to start thinking about this because it is very, very helpful for somebody as a creator, as a sonic brander, um, to have a brand communicate. Because it's one thing to to create something that you really like and then you give it to the company and they go, okay, that sounds good. And I mean, yes, that's nice that they liked it, but did it sound good or did it sound like you? And that's really what my intention would be as a creator is I don't want to just write you something pretty. I want to write you something that actually represents you. And so speaking out and saying words is very helpful. It is. And I think too, like, um, you know, we as people, companies do too, evolve. And there's nothing wrong with updating the sound, you know, in the future, just like people update their logos. You know, you start to change, maybe you go a slightly different direction, maybe you're doing more. And those things can kind of adjust too. And I think that's the other thing. It's like, it doesn't have to be permanent for life. You know, maybe it's that way for a few years, but now you're like, okay, we're kind of adding other things or we're doing a different vibe or we've grown larger. We want to have a different feel. And that's okay too, for people to understand that brands do evolve. Exactly. I, a great example is, um, so everybody knows the Intel, uh, dun, 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 the Intel Pentium processor chip mnemonic. Everyone has heard that since the early nineties. Um, and then I think it was a couple of years ago for the Super Bowl, they reinvented it. And I loved what they did because they brought the the old and then they they merged it with Beethoven. And it was so interesting. And it wasn't like they were going to roll out with just, you know, this this new version with the Beethoven. But it was the fact that it was so uh, manipulated, manipulable, if that's a word, uh, that they could put in another artist into it, and you still heard Intel. It was fascinating. So I agree with you. You should be able to reinvent yourself, but this is a starting point. This is where you want to start. This is your first representation, and you move on from there. What has you excited about the voice industry? You've, you've seen all the different angles, um, the technology, the advancements, assistance and disability for ease and use, clever marketing creations. What, what has kind of blown your mind through this process that you've been in? Um, I think, you know, again, I became interested in voice originally, and I'm still the same way. I am fascinated by how technology can help us connect better to the people and things we love and want most. So I'm not necessarily a fan of using technology to replace things. 
um, but rather to kind of help us get closer to those things. So I'm always fascinated by that. How do we do that? How can I build something that way? How are companies building something that way? Um, you know, one company I, I really like, they're based in New Jersey as well. Um, they're Speak2 Software and they created Speak2 Family, which is a second piece of what they do. And um, their software works on Alexa and they basically are inside these senior living homes and it's a way for um, those 65 plus to be able to use their Alexa so that the nurses can kind of do other things. So they can ask us to turn on the TV, who won the game, all these things. But their speak to family was about um, how can we kind of decrease loneliness? And so he, the Matt, who's the owner, he decided to kind of develop this platform where uh, friends and family, and even people, if they don't necessarily know someone, but they want to send a message um, to from this piece of software into someone's Alexa device in a home. And so these people can listen and hear, or they could read on their multimodal device um, messages from friends and family telling them what's going on or how much they care about them. People can text it, they can voice it. And that's just a great example of how technology isn't replacing, but it's helping to connect us. And so I thought that was like a really cool use case of what's going on. Um, so I love stuff like that. Like I love kind of that personal connection. I'm in the process of building a voice scale myself. Um, it is not fully ready just yet, but kind of pulling from the podcast um, and creating some things with that as well. So I'll kind of share more as that comes to fruition. Um, but I think, you know, as we were talking earlier about this, like, diversity inclusion conversation. Um, again, the challenging thing about voice that I don't think anyone has fully figured out is how do we create voice applications that allow um, everyone to have access to it? How do we do it so that someone who is deaf can use it? How do we do it so that someone who doesn't speak this language can use it? Um, how do we adjust for someone who listens in Italy versus someone who listens in Australia? Because there are different nuances, um, even in the English language, you know, what people, uh, how they say things. Um, so I think there's a lot that can go into that as well. And I'm kind of excited to see how we do that. Um, and again, just how can we connect better to the people and the things that we love and want most is what excites me as a whole. I 100% agree with you. I think it's an enhancement. It's definitely not to get rid of anything because it's one of the senses. And like I've been preaching, the more senses you can represent, the better. So definitely an enhancement. And for relatability and engagement, I also love what they're doing with like the communities and like assisted living and how it can become a friend of sorts um, for those people that could really get into a depression if not careful, especially in COVID when all of these assisted living homes are being put on lockdown to protect their their occupants. Um, gosh, I can't even imagine uh, the isolation. So to have a product like this is just such a wonderful, wonderful thing. What would be some of your predictions for the future of voice tech or even something that you hope uh, comes into the future of voice tech? One of the things that we need to do now that will help with the future is the first part is we really need to educate um, the community that is not involved in voice technology. Because I don't know about you, but anyone I talk to who's not in the voice tech space has no idea what I'm talking about. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. So I think, um, you know, we really got to work on explaining what it is, how it works for them. 
And then, you know, people who are invoiced, when you're putting out a skill, uh, being really aware, like, how do you market this in an easy way? And I've had people show me, oh, this is how we're marketing it. And I look at it, I'm like, that's way too complicated. Like, you're giving someone five steps, like, they're not going to do it. Nobody cares. So you have to figure out how do I not only create the app to be simple and user-friendly, but how do I create the marketing to be the same? It shouldn't be that hard. Um, But anything that's easy takes longer to figure out. So we have to kind of go through that, I think now to help in the future. I think also, I mean, I definitely see, uh, you know, voice expanding, which it already is beyond, you know, the devices in our home. I'll be honest, I really don't use the devices in my home. I use voice on my phone. I have always used voice on my phone um, because it's with me all the time. It's easier whether I'm using Siri or Google Assistant or Amazon Alexa, or I talk to text all the time. Um, that's what works well for me. So I think it's really thinking again about voice will be everywhere. It's anything you use your voice with. It's not just, you know, an Alexa dot or Google assistant. It's more than that. So I think we'll definitely see that growth, but I think in order for it to grow the way that we want, we all have to stop and really educate in a really simple and easy way of what this is, how to use it, and make sure that we're putting out voice skills and apps that work well, because if they're not working well, people aren't going to use them. And then it's kind of a waste of time. So it has to work well, kind of on that first step, you know, thinking about we crawl before we walk. um, And then you can really make it robust as people start to understand it and use it as well. Agreed. Uh, It's not just about a jingle anymore. It's so much more than that. Uh, Well, Carrie, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, I'm very excited about your voice skill, so please keep me updated on that, and I will pass along the word because I've been wanting to do one and I just have not gotten around to it. So I'm excited to, to hear how you put a skill together. Yeah, thank you. Of course. Yeah, very excited. I always appreciate uh, talking to people in the voice community and reconnecting with you as well. And if anyone has any more questions or wants to find you, where can they find you? So I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. You can find me under my name, Carrie, K-E-R-I, Roberts on LinkedIn. And you can check out my podcast, Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things. Um, I think those are two of the best places to learn a little bit more about me, uh, connect with me, and happy to, to chat and hear more about what you're working on as well. Awesome. Thanks again, Carrie. Thank you so much, Gina. I appreciate it. For those of us in the voice community, we have a lot to do to help educate the non-voice community about what voice is all about. Voice and sound marketing is accessible and available to us all, but right now it's just too daunting for a lot of people. We need to be mindful of our design and our presentation of the product, keeping in mind that there are people out there starting before square one on all of this. For more of the Sound and Marketing Podcast, don't forget to follow, subscribe, and share. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Stitcher. For inquiries on producing and developing your own podcast, or for inquiries on sonic branding and sonic branding consultation availabilities, you can find me at Dreamer Productions. That's D-R-E-A-M-R Productions.com, LinkedIn, and Facebook. You can also email me at Gina, J-E-A-N-N-A, at DreamerProductions.com. All links will be provided in the show notes. This episode was produced by Dreamer Productions and hosted, written, and edited by me, Gina Isham. Let's make this world of sound more intriguing, more unique, and more and more on brand. <laughs>